ബിസ്മുല്ലാഹ്മീം നഹമ്മദുഹൂസൂലിയൽക്കരീം അമ്മാബാദ് അലഹമുല്ലാ ജനൈറ്റ് ഇസ് ദ സിക്സ്റ്റീൻത്ത് ഓഫ് ഒക്ടോബർ ഇൻ ദ ഇയർ ടു തൗസൻഡ് ആൻഡ് ട്വൻറ്റി that we're going through the exalted and illustrious life of our beloved Buddha, Sayyidah Khatija bint Khawailid, radiyallahu. So the next section, entitled, Our Beloved Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa isolation in the cave of Hira. So, like I mentioned yesterday, he was living in, a life of peace and ease a happy happily fa- uh, married life a large family but he felt sallallahu alaihi wasallam something missing and he would thus be often seen extremely restless he would thus often be seen retiring for a month once a year to the cave of hira to dedicate himself entirely to prayer and meditation This is recorded in Ibn Ishaq, Ibn Hisham in his Sida, 1-298 with a Hassan chain of transmission. So it would trouble him, obviously, the idol worship and the ails of the society. So for an entire month, think about that, for, not just for a night, for an entire month, once a year, he would go to the cave of Hira and he would dedicate himself to contemplation and some form of worship. Indeed, the Quraysh also practiced this ascetic seclusion during the Jahiliyyah. So this is a further evidence that the worship of one God was familiar in Makkah. So this wasn't something unique to the Prophet ﷺ. There was others that would do this as well. And it's a clear proof that there was the worship of the one and only God i.e. during that time. It is further related by Ibn Ishaq Ibn Hisham in his Sira 1-298 Hassan that during those days he وسلم, also fed the poor travelers passing by his temporary hermitage and when he وسلم, had completed the one month seclusion the first thing he did before going back to his dwelling was to perform a tawaf around the Kaaba so this is also authentic so now this was strange The cave is obviously high up on Mount Hira. So who were the travelers passing by? <laughs> you know, it wasn't as if he was on the path, the road. Mm. So it's mentioned. So maybe it was other people who were possibly worshipping of that nature. Whatever the case, he would also feed them. And after the one month seclusion, the very first thing he would do was not go to his dwelling. He'd go to the Holy Kaaba to perform tawaf. And this, of course, is the sunnah which he later mentioned, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, this was now taking place very close to the era of the proclamation of Prophet. Another important point to highlight is that an error that people make here is that Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, only performed this worship before Prophethood. And the answer is no. He continued this for a while. So even when he received uh, the first divine revelation, 
he would still go to the cave. How long for and all this is debated, but he would do that. So it wasn't just prior to prophethood. And I'll mention that at the relevant time. So the next section entitled, The Final Revelation Descends. It was the greatest night of the greatest month in the greatest city. Soon was to descend the greatest angel to the greatest messenger with the greatest book, which was to change the fate of the world forever. So this statement that I've made, this paragraph or statement is actually mentioned by Hafiz ibn Kathir. Hafiz ibn Kathir, he mentioned this. He goes, the Quran is perfect in every regard. There's no honor you can add to the Quran. It was revealed on the night of Qadr in the month of Ramadan in the Muda city by the greatest angel to the greatest prophet and it's the greatest book. So what can you add to that? And this indicates that Rasulullah was in the cave in the month of Ramadan, in the final time before the revelation came. So the report. So this is recorded in Sayyid Bukhari, Sayyid Muslim, Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Fat al-Bari 12-368, Ibn Kathir's Tafsir, Volume 10, page 532-5 of the English translation. Our beloved mother, Sayyida Aisha radiyallahu relates. So even before continuing, there's an apparent problem here. Aisha, how is she relating about something which she had not witnessed? So in the Hadith terminology, this would be Mursa, meaning that she must have heard it from somebody else. So the response to this is she was later married to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa so as is but obvious, she must have asked. So Rasulullah gave her the details. This is a simple clarification. But it's important to highlight that Aisha narrates this. So she said, The first thing that began happening with Rasulullah from the revelation was true dreams. That he would see in his sleep that would come true. So the first thing our beloved mother mentioned was that he started getting these dreams and they started to accelerate. And whatever dream he had, it came true very quickly. And our beloved mother said this was the first revelation that was now coming to the Prophet Indeed, he would not see any dream except that it would come true just like the clearness of daybreak in the morning. And in the original, the scholars say this was the peak of eloquence how she was describing it. Just like the clearness of daybreak in the morning, how the dawn breaks. Then seclusion became beloved to him. So he started you know, having these dreams that were coming through very quickly. And then suddenly he liked to be by himself. Those he said used to go to the cave of Hira and devote himself to worship there for a number of nights. And he would bring provisions for this. So the hadith in Bukhari doesn't mention how long. It mentions a few nights. But the authentic report in Ibn Hisham, Ibn Ishaq says, for one month. So he would take his food and drink with him. 
Then he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would return to Khatija radiyallahu and replenish his provisions for a similar number of nights. So it wasn't just a case of just getting the food for the entire month. He would take for a number of nights the food and drink. Then when that was exhausted, he would return, get the food and drink and go back to the cave. This continued until subhanallah, the divine revelation suddenly descended upon him, sallallahu alayhi wa whilst he was in the cave of Hira. So I mentioned a few nights prior that when Musa wasalam, was on uh, the blessed Mount Tur, he asked to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Lantarani, you cannot see me. But if you look at the mountain, if it remains firm, then you can see me. And then it mentions when Allah Ta'ala showed some of his tajalla, his, his majesty, the mountain turned to dust. The hadith mentions that some of the mountains were uprooted by the tajalli of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And one of them was this blessed mountain, Jabir Nur. So Allah Ta'ala took it from there and it rested in Makkah. So this mountain, the cave, actually the origins is Mount Tut. So revelation descended in that blessed cave. The report continues. The angel والسلام, came to him والسلام, whilst he was in the cave and said, Iqra, recite or read. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa responded, Ma ana biqari. I am the one who does not read. Then he sallallahu alayhi wa said, Thus he, i.e. the angel, sees me and press me until I could no longer bear it. Then he released me and said again, Iqra, recite or read. I again replied, Ma ana biqari. I am not one who reads. Hence he pressed me, alayhi salatu wasalam, a second time until I could no longer bear it. Then he released me again and said, Iqra, recite or read. I replied as before, Ma ana biqari. I am not one who reads. He pressed me a third time until I could no longer bear it. He then released me and he added Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Iqra bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq khalaqa l-insana min alaq Iqra wa rabbuka al-akram alladhi allama bil-qalam allama l-insana ma lam ya'lam Read in the name of your Lord who created he who created the human from a clot, read, and your Lord is most bountiful, who was taught by the pen. He has taught mankind that which he knew not. Surah Al-Alaq, Surah 96, verse 1 to 5. So what was the procedure? And again, it's, it needs clarification. He was asked to read or recite the Allah, and he said, I am not one who reads. Ma ana biqari. 
And then Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, another report mentions he hooked it. And the Prophet described it in a sense that he thought my soul was going to leave. But just as I thought I could no longer bear it, he released me. He repeated the part of the verse, Iqna, because I am not one who leads. This happened three times. The third time, the five verses were then recited to the Prophet The report continues. Sayyida Aisha, our mother, she then said, Then he returned with them, i.e. the five holy verses, and with his heart trembling, until he came to Khatija, and he said, Zammiluni, Zammiluni, wrap me up, wrap me up. Those, they wrapped him until his anxiety and his anxiousness dissipated. So now this is important to point out. The journey from the dwelling of Rasulullah, Rasulullah's dwelling, obviously was in Makkah. From his blessed dwelling or Khatija's dwelling, Allah to the cave, it's a two-hour journey. <laughs> so this is important to highlight because when you narrate the report, you get the impression that he just ran down maybe a couple of hundred yards. <laughs> Two hours. So when he actually came back, you can imagine, you know, how supremely fit he was. He came back two hours. Imagine the journey. Okay, you can argue one and a half hours, whatever the case. So... And then he said, wrap me up. So now why is that strange? If you are running, you should be taking clothing off. This means that he was cold. So all of it is something supernatural happening here. Unfortunately, people don't explain, right? So first thing is, two hours, he comes back. He's feeling extremely cold. He goes, Zammiluni, wrap me up, wrap me up. And then he calmed, sallallahu alayhi wa After he calmed, he informed Khatija radiyallahu of everything that had occurred. And he said, I now think something may have happened to me. Or I now fear that something may have happened to me. So what's interesting, this shows the supreme, you know, psychology of Khatija radiyallahu She didn't question the Prophet. Imagine, how long did it take for him to settle? He didn't start saying, what's the matter? What's happened? What's happening? Why are you shaking? You know, where have you been? Nothing. He waited until he spoke. And when he calmed, he says, I think something's happened to me. So Khatija radiyallahu replied, never. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never disgrace you. For you keep good relations with your relatives. You speak the truth. You help the poor and destitute. You serve your guests generously. And you help the deserving calamity afflicted people. So Khatija when she heard the Prophet speak, and he said, I think something's happened to me. She understood that to mean that he was thinking neg- ne- negatively. So she put him at ease. As if they say, nothing bad has happened to you. And then she mentioned that why he can never be disgraced. And what was the trait she mentioned in Bukhari Sharif? You keep good relations with your relatives. You speak the truth. You help the poor. 
you serve your guests generously and you help the deserving calamity afflicted people so she mentioned five things now what's interesting stop in the report a few years later when the companions were migrating to abyssinia because of the persecutions abu bakr siddiq radiyallahu asked permission and rasulullah gave him permission the hadith is in sahih bukhari and when he leaves makkah he bumps into uh, ibn daghna he was a powerful man of another, of another tribe he goes oh abu bakr where are you going so abu bakr radiyallahu said i am leaving my my home and to worship in a land freely ibn daghna he said exactly the same words to abu bakr what khatija said to rasulullah <laughs> So this is shocking. He said, Allah Ta'ala will never disgrace you. You keep good relations with your relatives. You speak the truth. You help the poor and destitute. You serve your guests generously. And you help the deserving calamity afflicted people. So the scholars point out, Ibn Daghanna wasn't a Muslim. What inspired him to say the same words as Khatija? And the response is, because Abu Bakr, was like a carbon copy of Rasulullah. So this is a men's place for Abu Bakr. But Khatija was the first to say to the Prophet adding a report. In Ibn Sa'ad in Istabaqat 1-195, Khatija also said, before uttering this, I hope you would be the Prophet of this Ummah. So before mentioning these five things, our beloved mother said, I hoped you will be the prophet, meaning the other prophet. Proclamation has come. But that's not in Bukhari, that's in Ibn Sa'ad and Istabakat. Khatija radiyallahu then noticing Rasulullah's restlessness, she accompanied him to her cousin Waraka ibn Nawfal ibn Asad ibn Abdul Uzza ibn Qusay radiyallahu who during the Jahiliyyah had become a Christian and used to scribe the scriptures in Arabic. So now what's very important to highlight, did Rasulullah request this? No. Khatija was concerned for the Prophet So she requested that Rasulullah come. Because let us go to our, to my cousin, Waraka. I mentioned that Waraka was the first cousin of Khatija. Waraka's father, Nawfal Khatija's father, Khawailu, were brothers. He would write from the Injil in Hebrew as much as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala willed him to write. So he was a Christian. And he was translating the, the Hebrew into the Arabic. He was now an old man. He had lost his eyesight. So now this is important. I mentioned this, I think, a few sessions back. They're from the same generation, Khatija and uh, Waraka, radiallahu Why is Waraka blind? Khatija was now, Radiyallanha, 55 years of age. <laughs> taking the, if she was 40 when she married. <laughs> but taking the other age, she was in her early 40s. So this shows there was a few decades gap between the cousins. Because he was blind and old. Khatija Radiyallanha on arrival said to her cousin, Oh my cousin, listen to the narrative of your nephew. So Waraka asked, 
Oh my dear nephew, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what have you seen? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then described what he saw to Waraka. <laughs> Told him everything. Waraka radiyallahu he was then, his countenance changed to amazement and joy. And he said, this is Anna Musa. Whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam. Oh, how I wish I was young and could live until the time when your people would force you out. So now you have to do it, clarify upon this. So Waraka, when he hears Rasulullah's experience, he testifies that that was Jibreel. He didn't call him Jibreel. Alayhi salatu wasalam. He called him Anna Musa. And I'll explain why, inshallah, later. That was sent to Musa. So question, why didn't he mention Isa? He's a Christian. So he knew that the final prophet will be likened to Musa. I will raise them up a brethren from amongst yourselves. He mentions in the Bible to Musa, alayhi salatu wasalam. And then look what he said. Now this shows how sincere he was. His life ambition and his earnest wish was to live to see the Prophet. That had been fulfilled. But he had so much sincerity. He didn't want to leave the Prophet. He goes, I wish I was young. Then he told him something. This shows that he was a man of scripture. I wish I was young could live until the time when your people would drive you out. How did he know that? How did he know that Rasulullah would be forced out of Makkah? And this happened 13 years later. Rasulullah asked in surprise, وسلم, will they really drive me out? Waraka replied, indeed, anyone who came with something similar to what you have brought was then treated with hostility and enmity. And if I should remain alive till that day, I would firmly support you. Meaning I would not hide. I'm behind you. If I do live till that day. However. Subhanallah. Waraka did not remain. He passed away. And the divine revelation also stopped. So what happened? Waraka testified. Told him that you're going to be forced to leave. Rasulullah said, is that going to happen? He goes, yes. And then he goes, I will be there to support you. But he didn't live long thereafter. And look how interesting. When he passed away, the revelation, only five verses that were revealed, also ceased. So now, this is very, very important now. The report continues. But Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani rahmatullah said in Fat al-Bari, number 6982, from here, to the end of the hadith, the words are of Abu Bakr ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, as mentioned by Ma'mar. So what, what what's happening? Up to this point, Aisha's narrating. Now the report continues, but it doesn't mention who's narrating now. So Imam ibn Hajar al-Skalani, Amir al-Mu'mineen of hadith, he said, now Imam Zuhri is narrating. So who's Imam Zuhri? Imam Zuhri is a tabi'in. So now it's Mursal. The Mursal of the Sahaba 
are as good as if they heard it direct because they're all trustworthy. But if you get a tabi'in narrating, that is mursal, now it's weakened. So what then does it mention in the report? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam thereupon grieved according to what we are told. Due to this grief, he set out a number of times with the intent of throwing himself from the mountain top. However, every time he would reach the peak of a mountain to throw himself from it, Jibreel appeared والسلام, and said, Ya Muhammad, وسلم, you are indeed Rasulullah. Thereby his anxiety would be eased, his soul settled, and he would return to his dwelling. So what in simple terms is now being mentioned? If you take it literally, he wanted to commit suicide. And why was he thinking of, because the revelation stopped. So he's thinking that maybe it wasn't revelation or etc, etc. And he was so devastated, he was contemplating killing himself. But each and every time Jibreel appeared and reassured him because you are Rasulullah. And then he goes and he returned to his dwelling. Then the report continues. Then when the revelation did not come again for a long time, he would set out as he had done before. Thus when he reached the peak of the mountain again, Jibreel appeared to him again and said to him the same as he had said before. So, this is the problem. If you haven't got commentary of this hadith in Bukhari and Muslim, and you haven't got the tools to understand, you're going to blaspheme. So you'll get people saying it. Because Rasulullah was so upset that the revelation stopped, he became suicidal. And then obviously, once you say that, you've given fish to the fodder. So what's happened? The Christians and the unbelievers, they say, look, your prophet was suicidal. Because how is he a guide? A suicidal man. So maybe he was suicidal and maybe he, you know, he had a problem. Maybe he had epileptic fits. You opened the floodgate. So this last section, which is related by Imam Zuhri, was his view, which he expressed. This goes against belief. Meaning is not accepted. So why did Imam Zuhri say that? So again, the simple fact of the matter is that's not revelation. Aisha's statement is revelation because she's with Rasulullah and she's got the knowledge from him. So this is something that Abu Bakr ibn Shihab al-Zuhri said. So is this a view of any of the scholars? And the response is it's not part of our belief. If you were to say to any scholar, can any prophet have a suicidal intention? You don't need to be a scholar, right? You say, what you're talking about? Suicide is one of the greatest sins. The prophet himself highlighted that. And you're accusing a prophet of a major sin or contemplating a major sin. And he goes, so it's not possible. No. Then why is it in Bukhari Sharif? And the response is, 
everything in Bukhari Sharif is authentic. But it's authentic to the one who uttered the statement. So who made that statement? And then he goes, well, it was Aisha. Was it Aisha? And he goes, well, then he reads the report and he goes, look, she's narrating. She, her words stop when Waraka passed away. And the revelation, that's her wording, it stops there. This is now uh, Imam Zuhri's own commentary. He's adding something here. So now, do we take Imam Zuhri out of the fall of Islam? No, we don't. That was his view. Why he said it? Allah Ta'ala knows. But it's not a proof for us. You understand? And we are not correcting him. It's the ulama. Right? The people of you know high repute. They've said this was a clear error on the part. And some of them even go as far as to say this was the worst error of Imam Zuhdi. Scholars make mistakes. Ibn Asakir said the slips of the scholars are great slips. Why? Because people follow them. Normal slips are bad enough. But if you have a great scholar and he makes a slip, people are that dedicated, they will refuse to accept it's a slip. Hafiz ibn Qayyim said about Ibn Taymiyyah, we love our teacher, but we love the truth more. So what he was saying was, we don't follow him blindfoldedly. If our teacher has made a mistake and we are alerted to it, we don't take his mistake. And this is in line with what you know the Prophet himself instructed. So this is very important when you get when you quote this very famous hadith. And it's the very first hadith of Bukhari Sharif. That's what makes it even more dangerous. You just pick Bukhari Sharif, put the first hadith, you're gonna he wanted to commit suicide. Then he goes, oh, no, no, he, you know, but he received revelation. It's problematic to make that statement even before proclamation. So somebody goes, look, he, you know, he he hasn't proclaimed. So before, but then you you still end up with the same problem. The same problem is you're accusing a prophet of God and the greatest one at that of contemplating not just once, again and again to commit suicide. And Rasulullah is prevented by Jibreel. <laughs> so it doesn't make any sense. What is true, which I'll mention tomorrow, is that he was grieved that the revelation stopped. So when the revelation stopped, because he had a yearning, once he got the revelation, that's what he was yearning for. <laughs> Did we not find you wandering in love and guide? I mentioned this yesterday. What was he wondering in love for? The divine revelation. Mm. Allah Ta'ala gave it to him. So when he tasted it, he wanted more. But Allah Ta'ala caused the cessation of that. And he was grieving. So that is true. But to then extend to that, that he was grieving to an extent to becoming suicidal, that's not true. Even though it's mentioned in Bukhari Sharif. So all I mentioned today was basically two things. One is our beloved messenger now, the period of isolation in the cave of Hira. And he kept this up even after receiving the divine revelation. And I mentioned a brief what he was doing there, sallallahu alayhi wa And then I mentioned the very famous report about the revelation descending. But highlighting that the latter part of the report is not authentic in terms of our belief. But it was said by Imam Zuhri, rahmatullahi are there any questions you'd like to ask? 
سبحان بحمدي سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك وفي الدائم المستعين سبحان ربك رب العزه عما يصفون سلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل انسان لفي خصل الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات رواس بالحق ورواس بالصبر صدق الله العظيم